The future of health coaching. Opportunity, action, impact. Brought to you by Teleosis Institute, coaching and narrative healing. We bring leaders in the field of health coaching. Today, I'm pleased to be bringing, to be having a conversation with Bill Applegate of the Iowa Chronic Care Consortium and also Clinical Health Coach. We're going to find out all about those. So welcome, Bill. Uh, Bill Applegate is the executive director of the Iowa Chronic Care Consortium. He also founded that, I believe, 15 years ago at this point in time, as well as the president and CEO of Clinical Health Coach, which is a training program that's trained more than 2,500 health coaches. I bet that number's gone up by now. Bill has a long career in healthcare and as a director, executive director, he's been CEO of two comprehensive healthcare organizations. Uh, he served as faculty and vice president at Des Moines University. But what the part I really like to, to, and I'm just inspired by is, Bill believes that inspiring improved personal health behaviors is the change the world strategy required for the future of healthcare in America. And so his energy goes toward focusing on population health strategies, and we all know health coaching is a key component. So I'm very pleased to welcome Bill Applegate to the conversation. Bill, welcome. Thank you, Joel. It's uh, great for me to be on here today, and uh, I, I think this is a great opportunity for um, to share some of the things that we've learned and uh, maybe help some of those that uh, view your uh, regular users of your uh, presentations, you know, an opportunity to learn something new. So great. Thank you. You're very welcome. I think we will. And so I, I think they will. And I, I enjoy talking to you. So thank you for doing this. So uh, we're going to jump right in. And, you know, we need to get a little bit of the Iowa Chronic Care Consortium as an important piece that you sort of jumped into because you felt like there was an opportunity for change. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, when we began, which, and you're, you're accurate when you said about 15 years ago, um, we kind of looked at the world. Um, I was involved in healthcare actively, and we looked at the world and said, you know, what, what is a change of world strategy for healthcare? Um, um, this, of course, dramatically predates what we know of today as healthcare reform initiatives and things like that. But we really uh, jumped in, um, got large employer groups, uh, the UAW, the Iowa Farm Bureau, the two large health systems, medical schools involved in forming the consortium, really with a, with a clear focus to bring patient-centered practices to those with chronic conditions and reducing the burden of chronic, chronic care uh, or chronic conditions in, mm -hmm. in, initially in Iowa. And um, we began a number of projects to do that. And we um, because it was the practice back then, we, although we dealt with comorbidities, we had a strong tendency to bring in groups that were identified as having heart failure and COPD and diabetes and very specific conditions. Um, and then we would manage those sometimes along actively with physicians, sometimes not with physicians. Mm -hmm. And we ended up doing this for a number of health plans, uh, mm -hmm. a number of health uh, care organizations, health systems and also for Medicaid programs. And mm -hmm. we did that for several years uh, with real good results, uh, which have been uh, authenticated by third parties and got great results like in several of our projects with match control groups, 20% total healthcare cost reductions wow. uh, over, over a period of years. Mm -hmm. and, um, but we always knew 
that within that, the distinctive feature of our population health uh, a, a kind of strategy was uh, a kind of a personal connection with people, good conversations, and in fact, coaching. Mm -hmm. And uh, we knew um, something long ago um, that keeps being borne out more and more, and that is that so much of chronic condition uh, care is self-care. And I think the American Diabetes Association says that 96% um, uh, of diabetes care is self-care. Well, that it was never lost on us even 15 years ago. And we knew that was true in heart failure and COPD and other kinds of things. And so we then had a couple of big organizations come to us and said, could you train us in this secret sauce that you have? Mm -hmm. And then we began um, probably in earnest about seven years ago to develop uh, what we now know as the clinical health coach training. And so, so, so you were doing it, but then it formalized into a, a training program and a, and a, and a specific technique. I, I, it's interesting. It took then it sounds like five, six, seven years to kind of take it and say, okay, now we can call it a technique. Yeah, I think I think that one of the things that one of our principles at the Chronic Care Consortium 15 years ago is that, and a lot of people didn't believe you could do this, but we always wanted to build the capacity of organizations to manage chronic conditions. Um, and what I mean by that is, if you wanna have a sustainable program, uh, you could do it for me or I could do it for you, but mm -hmm. if I could get you to do it for you, then the sustainability potential is so much higher. Mm -hmm. And so nice. as a basic founding principle, it was always about building capacity in other organizations to do this kind of work. So we had always been training, whether there was a health system or Medicaid program, uh, a, a clinic, we always had been building their capacity to do this, and that involved that training. So the training really wasn't new. What it was is to formalize the training and just provide the training was a kind of a distinctive act and enterprise to develop. Interesting. So, 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 so therefore, you, you were you were you were co coaching and train and building coaching while well, using coaching in the way that you were building capacity in organizations. Right. And then comes clinical health coaching. Okay, here's the, we'll just give you the we'll, we'll we'll train individuals in the technique. Right. And and organizations. I mean the 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 interesting thing about coaching in a clinical setting and. By the way, that's why we call it the clinical health coach. Mm -hmm. This is really for healthcare professionals in a clinical setting. What's unique about it is our training, we, we spend about 70% of our time training, and we can talk about this later, we're training a behavior change specialist, that we want to develop skills as behavior change. About 30% of our training is focused on creating the appropriate practice flow, okay, mm -hmm. the care management facilitation that allows coaching to become an integrated part of the practice flow. Interesting. So, Interesting. You know, so, so I do want you to know that um, what's unique about our training, or there are several things that are kind of unique about it, but uh, it was really built to build the capacity in other organizations. And that wasn't say, well, we're going to teach you some great coaching skills, which a lot of programs do a pretty fair job of. Yeah, sure. Very few programs then actually step in to the zone of implementing coaching at, in the practice flow. And that's what we've become I guess, more proficient at over the time we've been doing it. So. Right, which actually, it begs the question, it changes our flow, but, you know, that's a learning curve on how to learn, how to, how to get into the flow of clinical care. That's exactly right. Yeah, yeah, yes. And Definitely. so, and so, and so I sort of, I'm begging to know, or, or like, so what have you learned over these many years about 
the challenges that go on with the, the with coaching entering into the clinical setting? Well, sure. Okay, good. Um, I think there's I'll, I'll pop in about three challenges, and there there are seventy. Okay, but here's the top three. <laughs> number one is you still have a number of healthcare for professionals that um, don't believe you can move people's behaviors. Okay, mm -hmm. so I just want to start with that. That could be that could be kind of barrier number one. Mm -hmm. And and by the way, um, you know, what's kind of ironic about that is that healthcare has always wanted to change people's behaviors. Right, of course. The yeah. Base yeah. of everything yeah. is the yeah. kind of the holy grail is getting me to do something I need to do for my health. Let me just want you to know. Yeah. And that's whether I come in with an exacerbation or whether I just have a chronic condition. Um, so we've always, healthcare has always wanted to get behavior change and they wanted to get it in their patients, but they haven't really done it very effectively. And they've used education right. uh, to try to do it. Mm -hmm. And what we know of so many studies, I mean, I just go into the statistics about what poor percentage of um, things shared by physicians is left with the patient. You know, I mean, the, the amount of retained is poor. And in fact, the truth of the matter is more than 50% of what patients often state after having an encounter with a physician is not only not what physicians said, it's inaccurate. I mean, they things out that just aren't true. Right. So, so one of the challenges is, can you get healthcare professionals to believe that behavior change is possible? And, and we know it is, and there's really powerful research to indicate that you can do that. That's problem one. Right. Problem two is the one that we attempted to address by the design of the training, and that is, um, healthcare is more and more a team approach, and um, you have to have when any strategy. So health coaching is a strategy, as all kinds of other things are strategies. But if you're going to use a strategy with a game to achieve outcomes for your organization, in this case, patients, um, there have to be there has to be a team. It has to be a team sport, and in order for it to be a team sport, there has to be good handoffs between physicians and and nurses or care managers or coaches, whatever they're called, it doesn't really matter. We, by the way, the clinical, we don't train coaches very often. Uh, we train care managers, care coordinators, right. nurses, and things like that. So in our view, um, coaching is not a position. It is a skill set. And uh, we really don't necessarily, we aren't even grossly encouraging of saying, well, you ought to have health coaches. That's not what our interest is. We right. want to have health coaching as a strategy in your practice. Mm -hmm. so the second challenge to recant here just a bit is, is the idea, can you infuse it as a strategy in a practice? And, and if you don't have strong leadership commitment, or if you have physicians that don't believe in behavior change, uh, then uh, the, the mountain is very high and the grade is too steep. I mean, it doesn't right. work. Mm -hmm. the, third, the third, I think, big challenge um, for an awful lot of organizations is that the people they're using to do the coaching just aren't trained real well. And um, our focus, we're just deeply committed to performance coaching. And mm -hmm. so any one of our programs, our program culminates not in a certification. I mean, I think certifications are cute as a bug's ear, but the truth of the matter is we have a performance examination at the end, mm -hmm. a performance evaluation, and they coach. People coming out of any one of our trainings coach a standardized patient around a clinical scenario. They have 15 minutes to do it. 
And uh, if they're successful at that, then they get a, cert a certificate of competency in clinical health coaching. So we're terribly performance oriented. So the first thing is really to cap these. One is, you know, is there a belief and commitment to the fact that you can move patients' behaviors? And a part of that is, is the patient, do you consider the patient as the great untapped resource in, in healthcare? And my view is, my land, I do. I mean, the greatest sure. uh, untapped resource is probably patients. So that's number one. Number two is, you know, can you make it work with your team and in your practice flow? And then the third thing is, do you actually have the skills to set across the table from a drink and smoke and carrying on guy and hope that you can move their behaviors? Wow. That's it. No, that's brilliant. I mean, I appreciate it because I also, what I heard the underlying structure, what you described is the system, the team, the individual. Yep, that's the, correct. From the coach perspective, right. all in service of the, you know, the patient. But when, you know, you also, we use the learned language, the patient's. Right. Yeah. It's not just the patient. It's it's many, many. And that's a that's a very whole it's a well structured holism that you're describing in terms of change model. Right. And that also it has the so then the coach leaves the the training or the, the, the not just having some skills, but recognizing the setting in terms of the interpersonal dynamics and also the larger setting of the system itself. Right. And I don't hear a lot of coaching. That's not a big topic in, in, in coaching. Yeah, I think one of the things that we, our greatest um, thrill and level of satisfaction and fulfillment really comes when we contract with organizations where there's a leadership commitment to using coaching as a strategy. We train multiple people within that care team, sometimes physicians even, and then certainly other staff. Um, and then we continue a working relationship to build their implementation uh, tactics, okay? Right. And so I do want you to know that we have several organizations. I won't mention, but one was just featured in the, in the uh, New York Times, by the way, a week, or, week and a half ago as being one of the breakthrough organizations in healthcare in America. And we do the secret sauce that they didn't really mention in there is the fact that we, we train all their people to, uh, as coaches, so. Right. right. And then the other piece is, is then coaching becomes a tool, a technique, a strategy that you can teach any health professional. That's right. Right. You're not focused on professional, you know, the profession of health coaching. You're saying, no, this is a tool that we can give to many levels within the healthcare silo strata. And that's a, a big change agent. And it, it's, it's an important piece because because health coaching skills are useful at almost at every level. Right. I think virtually anybody that uh, any healthcare professional that actually connects with patients um, has, honestly, we have people go through this program, whether they're physicians or their care managers or their medical assistants. And we even have some receptionists at some of these bigger organizations that go through. And I will tell you all of them to a person say, I learned a whole bunch of skills that are going to help me in my relationships, my connection, and in this key word right now in engaging our patients rather than just moving them through the system. So, Right. So then it changes the relationship. And that goes back to what you said. The untapped resource is the patient themselves. Correct. And the relationship facilitates sort of getting into that. You know, they're having that sort of uncovered in some way that, you know, or, or access. So that's where, you know, so, so then this clinical health coach training program, training system sort of emerged. That was five, six, seven years ago, that particular piece? 
That's correct. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, tell me, you know, just as I'm moving the conversation along, to talk a little bit about, you know, clinical health coach training and what that, what is it, what does it entail? Yeah, I think that the, 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 if you want to know, I've kind of touched on the fact that um, we really seek to transform the conversation that occurs between um, healthcare professionals and patients, regardless of who those healthcare professionals are. And then we also want to, to um, transform the care process. So I, I just want you to know that 70% so is about that conversation, which we call creating and building a behavior change specialist. About 30% is about care management facilitation and improving mm -hmm. the practice flow. So there you go, that's kind of the nut. Yeah. But what we really want them to do, particularly in the first part, which is to, um, to build their skills, we really, we want them to be able to um, develop proficiency in a coaching conversation. And there are four big elements in a coaching conversation. And the, the first one, which always is kind of going on through a coaching conversation is engaging. And we can talk a little bit more about what that is, but it's engaging and it's creating a connection with that patient. Um, you know, one of the things I wanna say about coaching is pretty simple. I sit across the table coaching somebody, I wanna find their star in the world and then hitch their health behavior wagon to it. Mm -hmm. And so my first job is really engaging around their interests, around their health and their life. And mm -hmm. uh, I, can't get, I can't get to a behavior change until the person buys into the value of that behavior change. That's just it. So the right. first thing I do is engage the patient. Second thing I really wanna do is I, I want to evoke from that patient as much as I can the surrounding kind of conditions. Maybe it's about their, maybe what they're doing already effectively to manage their diabetes or their heart failure or something like that and what they could do. Um, uh, I know there's a lot of talk about health literacy today. I just want you to know that that evoking gives me as a healthcare professional an opportunity to find out what they know without saying how literate are you about sure, sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't have to ask them but give me about three minutes of evoking and I will tell you a lot about what they know and what they don't know. Mm -hmm. Oh, and by the way, sometimes they know a great deal mm -hmm. and I want to affirm that knowledge that they have. I just want you to know that. Right. Right. I think the third thing we always want to do is we want to then focus in a coaching conversation about the particular um, kind of thing they want to do and the reason they want to do it, why they want to do it. Mm -hmm. We try to assess their confidence that they're going to do it, they can, the confidence they can do it, and then a little bit about um, you know, um, their commitment to do it, okay? mm -hmm. which are not exactly the same. Okay? I just right. want you to know there's a difference there. Yeah. And then the last thing I want to do is I want to, I want to spend a little time just talking about planning, that is, um, if you're going to do this and you're going to make this behavior change, then um, how do we follow up or how do I follow up to one, support you, two, to check on you and see how you're doing, right. and then three, uh, see how we come back after you succeeded with that behavior change to work on the next behavior change. Mm -hmm. And so that coaching conversation thing is, the, is, is what, that's the skill building thing. And I know it sounds pretty simple to have four parts. It's a lot more complex than that. So we well, teach things. Yeah, well, it's, it's complex, and but at the same time, I mean, as that you're describing the structure of it, it's you right. have to learn how to do it. And but what I hear about it that's really key is that you're it's a it's a it's a dialogue, it's a dialectical process on right. which the coach is engaging all the way through and gearing the 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 the, the intervention. That's not really the right word. 
but uh, to the level that the, that the patient is at and at that point in time, that's the goal. Yeah, our tagline isn't, our tagline to the clinical health coach isn't making people do stuff. Our yeah. tagline is changing the conversation. Okay. Ah, nice. And so, so I just want you to know there's, uh, it is very much a collaborative conversation. I mean, that's just it. So right. I'll go on and answer your question. Then we spend some time on the implementation kind of coaching, talking mm -hmm. about you know what are some of the strategies for identifying. Uh, we use a population health kind of model. And so how do you identify the patients most in need? We don't profess or purport that a, uh, an organization or an individual should coach everybody. We, we suggest that you, you identify the population that's most at risk, you stratify that population, and then you identify those individuals that are most at risk, and those are the people that you coach. That's just how we do it. And we talk a lot about how you measure the outcomes. We measure um, um, you know, the processes that you use. We, have, we help organizations look at what their barriers are and try to deal with those. So the, 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 the training is really, one, building that skill set at the beginning, and then secondly, looking at the implementation. And we have three kinds of training. We have an on-site that's, that's like three days, five weeks in between, because we think this learning is gestational. Um, so three days on site, five weeks in between, two days at the end. Uh, that's one we call their online or on site training. Uh -huh. We have a, an online training, which is 27 hours uh, long, and it's broken up in short segments, like 15 to 20 minutes, like the brain learns so that you don't have to sit down and endure three hours of um, me or anybody else lecturing to you. Um, and then um, uh, we have a, a combination training we call Fusion which you take the online training and then um, we bring on site or you come to us, depending on the situation, two days of guided coaching practice to, to fine tune your skills and then a little bit of a focus on, on implementation. Mm -hmm. And do you find actually out of those three variations that there's a difference? Uh, is there more effective? Which would you prefer I, you know, to, in terms of a training effectiveness? Well, you know, effectiveness really, um, kind of depends on your point of view. They say that even a headache um, looks good to an aspirin salesman. So um, effectiveness <laughs> is kind of a strange uh, thing. Okay. A lot of healthcare organizations um, don't want people being away from work very long. They see that as a terrible price to pay, mm -hmm. especially when they're actually workers um, doing things. Right. So I would say that our on-site training, um, which is um, more demanding of time by people is, uh, I think we would call it our flagship training. I, I just want to say that, okay? okay? But what I also want to say is that, and our online training is great, and the feedback is exceptional, but the truth of the matter is, if I want to send somebody, if I'm going to hire somebody and send them out on the front lines, I'll have them go through, if they can't go through the on-site, I'll have them go through the online and then uh, have them at that two-day, what we call a two-day live intensive. Right. Because, um, and that way, they're only gone for two days, by the way. Um, and they get some, some guided, um, guided practice. And by the way, that two-day training, a heavy practice. We have triads where people do these coaching roundtables, and, and they practice. And we have plenty of staff there to guide their kind of, how do I want to say it, their proficiency development. Sure, so, sure. Yeah, no, I mean, to me, I was, that was a setup of what I assume you were going to say in that way. And, and so you're providing it in these different formats because the, 
the, the market demands it and you can right. still train people, but ideally you want the coaches to be able to have live feedback. I do. One yeah. or another, and you, that's the one that you prefer, but not everyone is willing to make that commitment. But we do, we have live feedback and even um, the online because we have, um, it's, it's a great program by the way. Mm -hmm. So we have live practice teleclass calls that are scheduled into the online training. And while the online training is web-based, on-demand, whenever you want to do it, um, we do have um, scheduled live practice teleclass calls so that you can get some guidance in your coaching skills that's live. So I do want you to say it's not as impersonal as some online programs because we have these supplemental calls. No, thank you for saying that. So it's not just a download, you know, uh, asynchronous class. You right. make sure that the students are getting the right. same quality as you can knowing that, you know, that, I mean, this is, I work with clients, you know, online like this and I work them live and, you know, I like it better live, but. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> you know, it's an interesting thing. You, you know, one of the questions we get, I mean, we, we'll, we'll train a thousand people, people, healthcare professionals this year probably. And what's so interesting about it is a, a, a question that's just always there is, okay, when I do this coaching, how much of it is gonna be live and in person and how much of it is gonna end up being on the telephone, okay? Because a lot of the follow-up is on the telephone. And in some cases, even the initial conversations are on the phone, believe it or not. And it depends on how the organization gets set up. That is the, the, the practice. How do they get set up for the handoff between a physician and, right. and, um, and a coach? And so um, the, the reality is a lot of um, coaches uh, do a lot of their coaching online because yes. of distance, time, a variety of things like that. So we have in, a, in our learning community, and if you haven't listened, you should listen. We have a recent one on, on telephonic coaching. And it's a fabulous thing. It's free and it's on our website and learning community and you can get it. But I think that one we had 550 people on it or something like that. Well, this is back to the idea that that's what the market forces is demanding right. and asking for. And it, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, you know, it's, we see it in lots of areas. The, the, the actual travel time, when you start to calculate it in for going anywhere, uh, you know, it's, I find this video conferencing is, uh, is the next best thing. Yep, yep. I get it. Yeah. So, but you just mentioned your, you know, your ongoing training. So it's a good point just to put it in there. So it's not enough that you're just going to train people as clinical health coaches. You got to keep giving them community offerings. So you do a regular monthly uh, webinar, you know, that's, that just tell, can you just share with us a little bit about that? Sure. So one of the things um, going through the training, you join our learning community and um, our learning community has some really nice things in it. And what it has, it has lots of resources for people some recent good books and some recent articles um, and things like that. Um, we put some case studies in there about organizations, um, but we also do these monthly webinars and we, we, uh, we don't plan them out too far in advance, usually a couple or three months because we wanna know what the topic that's on the minds and hearts of people that um, you know, are doing coaching in the world. And so, um, you know, we, like I said, we just had one on telephonic coaching. What are, you know, does telephonic coaching work? And, you know, I, I know that, you know, like you say, you, you prefer doing it in person. Truth of the matter is, you, we still need to develop skills because we find out that a preponderance of a lot of coaching takes place telephonically. So what are the skills that are special or unique about telephonic coaching? So that's an example. Then we have one, we have one coming up on ESPERT, which really takes a look at um, uh, uh, substance abuse. By the way, it's a, it's a, 
it's an integration of um, behavioral health into uh, healthcare practices that's big today. Uh, we that's coming up, and I think maybe next week even. We've had them on, um, of course, behavioral health. We've had a series on behavioral health. What are the behavioral health issues? How do you how do you address them? How do you assess people with behavioral health issues? Because integrating behavioral health is so important. And then we every once in a while we spend about fifty percent of our our uh, webinars are on building coaching skills, and about fifty percent are improving practice. So we're we've had um, sessions on how do you pay for the clinical health coach? Then what are the codes that are out there today that would help you pay for a clinical health coach? Wow, nice. So whatever's on the minds of the people who are going through our training and have recently gone through, because we have a lot of communication with them, um, that those are the kinds of things that, uh, and the organizations we serve. Um, the, the question is, what are the, what are the hot topics that would provide the most value at a given time to those people who typically are on those webinars. And this is free and you don't even, I mean, I haven't done your program, but I'm on the mailing list and I yep, sign up. Anyone can get it. So you yep. just go to, to and there must be, I don't have Clinic, the website. Clinicalhealthcoach.com. Clinicalhealthcoach.com. There it is. Thank you. So anyone can join it. And I've been on it for a year and I, I attended them and they're, they're really wonderful. I mean, it really works. So thank you for that. Yep. So it builds the community and, and so, you know, this, uh, how the community is, it's interesting. So you're really listening to the people you're working with and training. And so that's helped you refine the work that you've done in a lot of ways. And so it's, one of the things that you said about that is that you, you kind of end up training a lot of different health professionals. You know, are you finding that there's certain, certain, you know, better fits or certain sort of health professions are that are more attracted to to health coaching is there a difference in in the, the types of people in, that are learning this yeah i think that so i'm going to i'm going to fall back and stay with my earlier comment that you know we we believe that anybody who interacts with patients profits pretty profoundly from this um, those that are involved in moving the outcomes of patients most intimately are the ones who probably um, get the most horsepower out of this engine. Mm -hmm. So if I'm a care coordinator, I'm a, uh, uh, somebody who is, healthcare is taking on more responsibility for outcomes than they have in the past because we're moving from this kind of volume-based payment for everything to value-based. We're moving pretty slowly, but we are moving. We are. So yeah. as healthcare organizations take on more risk, they're increasingly identifying the individuals with that organization who are taking on that risk, okay? I mean, so they're care coordinators, care managers, transition managers, mm -hmm. that is people moving individuals from, from the inpatient or the hospital setting to home or other places. And so I'm, I'm going to say that those types of individuals who are in taking increasing responsibility for the outcomes of patients, and this includes physicians, by the way, sure, of those are the ones that get the most value out of this. Now, a receptionist and a nursing assistant, you bet. And we have a lot going through, and some of them are really effective at coaching. Okay? Nice. Yeah. But at the same time, I think that this becomes the greatest value for those people who are increasingly taking responsibility for my outcomes and your outcomes, should we have be at risk people in a practice? 
Right. No, that, and that makes sense. Yeah, physicians' primary care is the is what I would imagine primary providers is who's most. But there's you know pediatricians and gerontologists, yeah. lots of, of physicians who fit that category. But you can see it across the board. But yes, I appreciate that we're moving in that way that we. In order for our, our, us to, 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 to increase our effectiveness as a healthcare system, we're going to need to improve health behaviors, you know, without a doubt. And as you, this is way back at the beginning of the conversation, that isn't it somehow it's not necessarily the primary objective of the way healthcare is delivered. Well, I think there's, you know, the, the diabetes care thing. Actually, about four years ago, AHRQ said that 95% of Diabetes care is self-care now. American Diabetes Association is up to the percent. We know that about 69% of health outcomes are a result of behaviors, by the way. Yeah. Um, so, I'm sorry, of costs. 69% of healthcare costs are a result of behaviors. And uh, we know that um, our behaviors, when you take a look at health, the ultimate health outcomes, that is premature deaths and things like that, behaviors play a much more profound role Right. than the medical system has often granted. Sure, yeah. Yeah, and you know, there's there's reasons why that occurred, but it is the way it is now, right? right. The word, you're, you're changing, which actually is a good point to throw in one of our, our, our terms that we both, you know, love, which is solidogenesis and the work of Antonovsky, who framed this idea that there's something different than a pathological approach. There's a solidogenic approach. And what you're describing as part of changing health behavior. So, how do you understand health coaching as salutogenic? I guess would be a way of it. Well, oh, thank you so much. I mean, I, we never talked about this ahead of time, but I just want you to know thank you for that. Yeah. <laughs> nice cough, Rose. Um, so, salutogenesis, for those that aren't, that are on here, but by the way, don't know, yeah. we know that pathogenesis is the origin and treatment of disease, basically, mm -hmm. that's it. Okay. Mm -hmm. What is fluorogenesis? Well, it's the origin and, and development of health. Mm -hmm. So I just want to compare and contrast the definitions of these. Perfect. And, yeah. um, we have built, I come from a long time at a medical school, and I just want you to know that, bless them, uh, they have been uh, figuring out, I mean, everything's built on a pathogenic model, basically. Not, right. no. Maybe they're getting a little bit, they're playing with prevention, but it's still based pretty much on a pathogenic model. Salutogenesis says this, at any given time in life, a person is on a continuum. At one end of the continuum is disease in a mm -hmm. generic sort of way. And on the other end of the continuum is healthies. Mm -hmm. And we have to pick people up wherever they are on that continuum and we move them to what end? Mm -hmm. okay. Yes. What mm -hmm. coaching is all about, I mean, I just want you to know that I see salutogenesis as one of my four corner foundations of coaching. Mm -hmm. And that is that we pick people up wherever they are. And our goal, be they, you know, two-thirds broken or one-eighth broken or really broken, we do everything we can to move them on that continuum that Antonovsky talked about, which mm -hmm. is healthies. Mm -hmm. And it could be nothing more than, than reducing pain. I mean, that may be all we do, okay? But the truth of the matter is we do whatever we can to move them to that. Mm -hmm. and I like talk about coaches, by the way. So, um, you know, you, you go to people, they, they aren't therapists. I want you to know, they aren't therapists, they're coaches. Right. Right. What's the difference? Well, a therapist goes and they find out all the reasons that you are the way you are, okay? <laughs> and they go back and look at the past. And I, I call that archaeology, okay? Mm -hmm. A coach 
picks people up on this continuum, wherever they are, and moves them to health ease. I call mm -hmm. them architects for health. Mm, and so the distinction here is really what is a coach? They, they do the things they talk, they engage the person, they evoke mm -hmm. from that person their interests, their goals, their interests in change, mm -hmm. and they do it, and they make personal commitments to themselves and to another person in form of a coach, okay, to do those changes, and then they follow through. And in the end, what happens is that the coach then is working with that patient as an architect for that person's better health and movement towards health ease. Right, which is, you know, it's interesting, just, you know, I love your, your description of it. And, it seem, and, and it's, it's almost like completely reversing the opposite of what the medical system is doing. Let's spend most of our time being an architect of health. And not only have a, you know, we're not saying get rid of the disease model. Right. You know, you're right. Saying, well, that's fine. We, there's a disease there, something, but that's not spend 95% of our time talking about how you got there and what it's going to do and what the right. outcomes are. Let's architect with most of our time right. for that health. And that's right. why that's it. And what you, but you've even taken it. Well, that's what the coach does, but the coach really could be any medical health professional who has these skills now, right? It's not a distinct perfect, you know, it's not like you have to now go to the coach to do that. Why wouldn't we have our help? And you know, the physician, the nurse, the case manager, all being the architects. So, so that's a good point. So here's a, I want to talk to you about our population health projects that we did years ago now. Please, yeah. We got powerful results with people with heart failure, uh, with diabetes, and with other comorbidities, depression, by the way. Mm -hmm. We got really powerful results. We had no physicians, for the most part, in that context working with those, those patients. Right, right. Okay. Yeah. And I don't even want to tell you, we had, we had licensed nurses sometimes, okay, but I, we did not have rocket scientists in health working with these people. Mm -hmm. All we did was develop strategies, and some might call them algorithms now, for working with behaviors of those people. And we got, and by the way, we weren't talking about new drugs necessarily, no wonder drugs, yeah. no um, uh, prosthetics of some kind. We weren't talking about stuff like that. No high-tech medicine. We were talking simply about changing behaviors mm -hmm. with match controls um, in a Medicaid population. Uh, Al Lewis and the Urban Institute said we have the, achieved the highest results in a, in a uh, diabetic uh, population ever achieved, let alone in Medicaid. Wow. And the reason is we were only dealing with behaviors. So this idea, by the way, mm -hmm. can somebody less than a physician deal with this and by the way physicians some are really great at this i just want you to know no, we're not. i will tell you yeah. behaviors will drive outcomes more than most people ever imagine right wow yes no that's important and that you know we're not we're, you know there's a need for physicians there's lots of medical interventions but yeah. that's not the whole iceberg that's right you're saying what, right. what's coming up for me is when you're when you're focusing on behaviors you're you're focusing on mindsets on attitudes on relationships rather than focusing on the tissue you know the actual organism and medicine's done really good with the physical body right but the fact is is that the way you think and act it has a lot to do with how your body gets there or where it could go Right. And I think that we, we say we want to do three things in coaching with, with a patient. So here, we'll, we'll talk about the patient for a minute and mm -hmm. say, we, a good coach is going to do three things with the patient. Number one, they're going to help them move appropriate health behaviors. Mm -hmm. Two, they're going to help them build their self-care skills. Mm -hmm. And three, 
They're going to inspire accountability on the part of the patient for their own health future. Mm -hmm. So the idea here is that if, if I have a really good coaching session with someone, I think I measure that a lot. Not only do they change behavior, but do, did they walk away with some sense that they have a greater responsibility, men maybe opportunity to affect their future mm -hmm. by taking more responsibility? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. About two to one to two percent of all the healthcare in America takes place in, um, by the way, the physician or provider's office. Right. About 98% takes place where? In the bedrooms, bathrooms, oh, and kitchens. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if I'm a good provider, mm -hmm. I got to get into that 98%. Right, right. And that's just working with behaviors. Yeah. Well, which is also, you know, so and now in, in coaching language, it's like there's the coaching session, there's the conversation, but most of what happens is not in the coaching session. It's what they do in between the sessions. That too. You're exactly you know, right. Right. So what? So what are they going? How are you going to motivate them? How are they going to self-care? What are the health behaviors that they're going to be working on when right. the coach is not there? Right. And so one of the things that we train to, and and I've already kind of talked on this, is a good part of a coaching conversation is engagement. Another part of that conversation, by the way, is is really evoking things from the patient. But the the third thing, if you remember, it was focusing on a single behavior change. Uh, I don't want you to change six or seven behaviors today. Yes, yes. I want you to agree on one. Right. Okay. Nice, nice. And you're going to see how good. And when you do that, mm -hmm. then I'm going to affirm you and you're going to have more confidence about changing the next one. Mm -hmm. I just want you to know how this, this works. No, this is really good because that's specificity. So there's a way in which particularly, well, you know, I noticed that in primary care and also in even, you know, I'm more in the integrative community. When you go whole or holism, there's like all these things to do. And then back to the client leaves and they can't remember any of it or it's too much. Whereas what you're suggesting is, no, this is what we're working on. This is the one behavior. Right. Right. So that we, and that allows us to be specific, allows us to measure it to you know to see and then it's kind of so to me that's a learning uh, approach so you're aware of adult learning yes right mm -hmm. because adults can't do i mean they got a lot of things to do <laughs> that's right right and by the way and and sometimes um you know I, I i think that you know one of the big challenges in healthcare and getting changes in populations is really understanding the all of the social determinants of health that play into the world of people today mm -hmm. and, um, and some people have challenges with things that we consider you know kind of case or us I mean we have we have housing and we have food and we have access to food and we have access to other things other, some people don't and sure. so when I'm coaching or when somebody is coaching these individuals that's a part of why you engage you evoke first you try to find out about the world they live in sure. because yeah. Some, um, some going to the, the uh, fitness center and exercising three times a week uh, for somebody that doesn't have good food isn't really the best game. I mean, I just want to know. No, and, then, and just so you all said the opposite. Yeah, we do have a lot. We have a lot of access to food, and a lot of people are suffering from too much access to food. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, and, and that, you know, but ironically, um, that's, um, that's one of the things that you – you know, it's just a, a part of what you learn when you evoke from people about their condition, how they're managing it, what they're doing well, 
what they think they could do right. because I learn a lot about one, their literacy or their knowledge. Mm -hmm. And I learn a lot about the social determinants of health that may be impinging on them and acting as barriers to, right. to getting to better behaviors. Right. Yeah. I guess another one that just comes up when they just, is the, is the too much technology is also another thing. Another thing that's starting to show up as a determinant that we're, we're learning to, to grapple with. And so, right. Right. So, so, so social determinants of health is a big subject. I imagine that, you know, it's not like in a, in a, in a, in a, in a course like the clinical training program, you're going to give hours of lectures on it in some way. There's a way that it has to be introduced um, in a way that's great, you know, accessible for someone to learn and recognize pretty easily. Right. So I think, you know, we, there's two or three things that are kind of important for us to address because we're talking about conversations with patients and, and uh, how those go, and we're talking about change behavior. So we spend, um, and I don't want to say a disproportionate, but we certainly give attention to cultural competency mm -hmm. because there are a, a lot of, um, uh, you know, cultural issues, believe it or not, that play. And by the way, being in a white middle-class family that's had way too much access to food historically is a cultural right. issue. Right, yeah. <laughs> I know that. And so, so cultural competency isn't, you know, we aren't talking about minorities. We're talking about culture, yes. uh, not, not having to do with origins. We're talking about culture having to do with the environment you're setting in, okay? Excellent. Yep. And then we also spend a good time, deal of time on social determinants of health and, and how those things hinge. And more importantly, how, as a coach, um, you need to be sensitive to those things, and if they are going to be challenges, you need to evoke your way into knowing what those are. Right. Interesting. Evoke their way. Yeah, and and so because the one that came up for me is is all is relatedness, particularly as you get to an older population, right? We know that you know isolation is something that comes up with an older population quite often as a as a cultural determinant of health and as the coach itself is modeling relatedness, that's the center of what you're saying. So that relationship becomes a powerful motivator for a lot of people, sure. which by itself is a, is a, is a determinant right. of health. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a, um, it's a very exciting, I really enjoying hearing about your program because it's a, you've been doing this for a while and it sounds like a, you're having a lot of success. Well, I will tell you what, I can tell you one thing for sure. We're learning every single day. We learn new stuff, okay? Mm -hmm. And hopefully we're capable of, of um, you know, um, taking those learnings and, you know, making it adaptations in our training um, and um, switching things around and giving a different emphasis and re redoing some of our online modules and some of the things we teach live and some of the ways we deliver. Um, mm -hmm. So we're, we're always kind of, I will say one thing that we're, we're certainly um, touching a lot of people's lives mm -hmm. because when you think of the number of a lot of our coaches are coaching, you know, especially the ones that are full-time doing this, they're coaching two to 300 people. Okay. Mm -hmm. So when you take a look at the numbers, we've touched an awful lot of lives. Um, by training these people to, to do this. Um, and they're, they're, they're touching two or 300 people every year. I mean, so, and not always the same people. So it's really been a, um, a kind of a fulfillment of what we wanted to do 
to come up with strategies to re reduce the burden of chronic conditions or, you know, in the world and particularly in the world of healthcare. And so to that extent, uh, I hope we're on a path to succeeding. And, um, and so that's where we are right now. And I will say there's a good deal of satisfaction. Mm -hmm. And what we love, by the way, is the satisfaction that people have from going through the training, transforming their conversation, transforming their care, just as we intended, and then believe that this has been an epiphany for them in their experience as a healthcare professional. So if you go and look at our testimonial pages, which are on the website, clinicalhealthcoach.com, you'll see a bunch of people saying, you know, I've been a healthcare professional for years and years and years. And what this done, this has given me um, a, it's returned me to the reason that I came into healthcare in the first place to help people. And um, it's made my work life better as a result of it. And oh, by the way, I'm getting to change lives of people and their health in a positive direction. Mm. Yeah, it's uh, thank you. It sounds lovely. It just seems like, you know, part of me is thinking of new questions and thinking that that probably is a good place for us to sort of kind of bookmark this conversation because sure. it's just, it's an inspiration and it really is wonderful to hear you share your work. You, so much is available online, clinicalhealthcoach.com, where, you know, I've been following it for a long time. So it's been, uh, you know, I'm glad to be finally connected and I'm able to bring you to, to my community. I'm sure that you'll get a few more folks tuning in and learning about it. And the particular, what you just described is the practitioner's lives are being engaged through this training, through this work that you're doing. And then that impacts the patients, the systems. It's a, it's a very well-crafted. Um, the whole thing is very sophisticated and well-crafted, so I want to thank you, and I admire the work that you're doing. Well, this has been a great conversation. You asked really smart questions, by the way, and gave me a great opportunity to talk. So thank you so much. So. Well, thanks very much. So I've been talking to Bill Applegate from the Iowa, I got to get the term right, Iowa Chronic Care Consortium and the Clinical Health Coach, clinicalhealthcoach.com is the website. And you've been listening to the Future of Health Coaching at the Teleosis Institute. So uh, thank you all for listening. <laughs>